0: In this episode, we go over one of our best kept secrets, the almighty formula. Dive in to learn more and how it can help you and your team as you journey towards growth. You are listening to the Fifth Hammer Growth Podcast, where we help you find harmony in imperfection as you journey towards success in life and in business. Yeah.
1: He
2: that is taught only by himself has a fool for a master. Dude,
1: that is the truth. That is so true. Here's the here's the other thing, right? Socrates, the, I, this is one of my favorite quotes. Anybody, any fool can learn from his own mistakes. It takes a wise man to learn from the mistakes of others.
2: Yeah, so what I love about that is it flies directly in the face of truth experienced as more impactful than truth told. That is so freaking real so it's the
0: it's the epitome though of two truths being two things can be true at the same time time.
1: and that's the dichotomy of truth right i mean what do you do when two things are true at the same time what do you do when you're faced with the decision of two rights not the lesser wrong evil or the greater good
0: but two right choices or two uh, appear to be opposing beliefs that are. Better. To me, to me, here's another one that kind of embodies this a little bit, the golden rule and the platinum rule. They're kind of contradictory. They're totally mm-hmm. contradictory. The, con- the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated. Right. The platinum rule is treat others how they want to be treated. Those don't work. Well, you that- can't do both at the same time, but they both are valuable. In a broad context, when you are just meeting people for the first time and just want to embody respect and like kindness. In all interactions, the golden rule is a fabulous application, but in an intimate relationship with a wife, with a business partner, with employees, with people that you know, well, you should treat them how they want to be treated. Well, that's the love languages. That's the personality test. That's like the Colby, right? Yeah. But that's, but that's
1: a critical distinction is with the people, you know, well, right. Because the, the the environment that we live in today is everybody is saying, you need to treat me the way I want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know you. I don't know who you are. So how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to even know? Like, I'm sorry if I used a pronoun that I don't understand. And that's not like, I don't even know you how, why I'm going to make the, I'm going to make the assumption on what I see and understand, because that's what I currently know. You know what I mean? So I have a hard pro I had a problem when you first talked to me about the platinum rule, I had a problem with it. Yeah. I had, it was, it was really hard for me because it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't even know how people want to be treated. Yeah. Right. In a general sense, the golden rule works and is perfect. And like, just treat people the way that you want to be treated in the public facing, Yeah, like on everything broader spectrum. And and so but when you brought the platinum rule to me, I was like, oh hell no, dude. I don't (laughs)
2: fucking know. I'm not I I did the same thing. You know what I mean? I did the same thing because for me, because mom, my mom raised us like on the golden rule. Yeah, so did Jesus. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) And
2: that that was like that was basically like my church was like little hand-me-down like lessons from that. But but to me, the golden rule isn't necessarily as as um specific as treat people how you want to be treated, and then like these are the specific ways I want to be treated. It's more in the spirit of having the empathy and the compassion to be open to treating people how they want to be treated. Mm. So it's kind of like, I felt like the golden, the platinum rule was kind of like a more specific yeah, yeah, golden rule. Is that from a book?
0: I don't know. No, it's Spencer's. Like, oh, did you come up with that? Me. It's not me. No, I mean, I, I, I thought about it, but I first called it something else. And then someone's like, Oh no, that's the platinum rule. And then if you Google it, it gets pretty common. Okay. Pretty known. But it, you, what but, were you about to say? Oh, but I, I said, read that quote one more time.
1: But I think the cool thing about that, is, and and this is probably the first time that I completely agree with the platinum rule, is when it comes down to intimate personal relationships where yeah. you know somebody, treat your wife the way she wants to be treated. Yeah. There's a big distinction between that and the general public golden rule right. concept, right? So it's a higher level of relationship, which means a, a higher, higher level, level rule of a rule of law. Oh, yeah. I love that. Now I kind of, now I get it. Love it.
2: He that is taught only by himself has a fool for a master. Hunter
1: Thompson. Yeah, that's another one, man. That's, but that shows the power of mentorship, right? It shows the power of, of being able to get out outside of yourself and seeking advice from people around you. Oh my God. Well, even dude, so the,
2: I think when we scaled microbe, I actually think I got a little dumber because, <laughs> because I thought I knew everything and I went through this phase where every time I would see someone publish something about marketing, I would just roll my eyes because I was like, this they is, I don't I've even s- know
1: we're a freaking $50 million like two years. They don't freaking know. Well, well, so
2: some of it was that, but also, and I should, I should like take a step back from it because i did seek a lot of counsel at microbe like i did like clarity.fm i would talk to like josh elizechi and and i would talk to people to get advice but like those were people that i had assumed had done more than us and they were where i wanted to go but there's just like a general public of like marketing like folks that publish things that i just would roll my eyes as i've stopped doing that i've gotten smarter again and i've grown as I've considered staying curious as I've, yes, I've stayed, as I've stayed curious, I've considered, even though I've seen this a thousand times, have I ever actually tried to use it or have I really tested that before? Yeah. And, uh, so I, that, that quote, uh, we were at Howie's, my son, we were at his like back to school night last night and I saw that in his uh, English class and I should have took a picture and texted you, but it reminded me of kind of what we're doing. And, um, and then there was another one in his physics class that objects in motion have similar qualities when viewed from a common perspective. So when I drove through the drive-thru this morning and the lady said I look like Ben Affleck versus when I walk into a a psych unit and a kid would tell me I look like Steve from Blue's Clues. (laughs) Those were common perspectives.
1: Yeah. So I was like, "How can you get me more to the afflict side?" <laughs> well, and it's funny because you said that the gal and in, in the drive-through was like, "Oh yeah, we all think that." Yeah, right. Perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Which is which is interesting. But it's it's I think it's incredibly important for people to realize the the importance of mentorship, the importance of seeking advice, the importance of, importance of of looking outside of yourself for how you're doing. And here's the interesting thing, every. There's been times that we've done this. In fact, we did this just the other day with uh, with a good with a good friend of ours, a, a partner of ours, Ariel. We sat down. and We were trying to ask him questions about structure, business structure, and in a different environment that we haven't been in before, right? And he validated everything that we've been thinking about, right? And so, in in some cases, that mentorship just comes in validation, which implies yes.
0: confidence, which gives you the ability to move
1: forward. Yeah. At the
0: end of the day, it's always checking that assumption was your assumption right or was it wrong right
1: or was it right, right. and right sure right at the same sure. time i mean i remember when 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 we were sitting around the table this is um, todd and i uh in microbe and we were going super fast it was probably it was right when we moved into the new pewter office and todd was like man i just i just want to talk to somebody who has been through this before who has seen massive scalable growth like we're experience? I just want to have a conversation with somebody just to be able to pick their brain and do it. So you know who I turn to, Glenn. Remember this? Yeah. I call in Glenn Anderson, who is a friend of the podcast, an amazing guy. The dude is freaking phenomenal. And I'm like, hey, Glenn. Um, I'm like Todd. Like, who do you want to talk to? He's like, man, I, if we could talk to somebody at DoTerra, that would be phenomenal because they grew super fast. And I'm like, Glenn, Glenn, can you get us a conversation with like the CEO or one of the founders of Doterra? And he's like, Oh, hang on a second. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah, hey. Oh, by the <laughs> way, that's Glenn. How are you doing? How's your family? Everything cool? Oh yeah. Do you have a Do you have a moment to talk to like my 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 business partners that we're doing? Yeah, right now. Okay, cool. He opened the put it on speaker. We talked to the guy of uh, the CEO and the founders of Doterra for an hour and a half about their scale, their growth, what they did, building buildings, everything that they turned to. And you know what the funny thing was after that call? We hung up. It was everybody cleared the room. It was just Todd and I. And he's like, they don't know any more than we do. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Remember, (laughs) remember we would talk with CMOs? Oh, yeah. Trying to like $80 million company trying to figure out like, because I had built and led teams before, but not as fast as we had. So then we started talking to. Like just, we would talk to CMOs and we would get off the, off the call. And, and I remember Spencer and I would talk and be like, oh, they don't know. They're not any any further ahead than us.
0: Yeah. In some cases we have
2: actually done more and
0: tested more yeah, and thought about more than they had.
2: So the validation piece, and we used to say that is, man, okay. If all you got out of that was validation that you're on the right track, that's great. That's
1: great. It's great. And you know, I have this theory about deja vu. Have you ever experienced deja vu? Oh yeah. Okay. Deja vu to me is, is a spiritual moment, right? I believe, I don't believe in predestination or, or like we're or anything like our, our path is written. Um, but I believe that we have seen potential paths that could be our lives. Like before we came here, I believe that. Okay. So whether or not you do, I don't care. That's my belief. Um, (laughs) but I believe that, I believe that deja vu is a moment in time that you remember that you've seen this before from your pre-existence life. Mm. So you have a glimpse, you've had a glimpse of where you're at. So for me that we're in the right spot, the right time at the right thing. I love that feeling of deja vu because it makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. I'm in the right spot. And it's, and it's kind of that, it's kind of that validation that you get in life, personal life. That's just me personally, but. At the same time, it's those moments of clarity that you have a chance to talk to individuals. And they're like, this is exactly what you're doing. You know, I had a... That's stupid. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just wanted to say that because you said you, you didn't care. Yeah, but you know No, I, no, no,
2: it, no, I love it. It's yeah. just
1: the confidence to know that you're on the right track.
2: Yeah, no, I, I love it. Because I, I sometimes I'll validation. do that too. It's the I'll have deja vu and I'll go and I'll have that same thought. It's That's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other side of this is I had a, just a, an experience this last um, couple of weeks. I, I have a, a good friend of mine who was going through some um, struggles in the organizational structure of his company. He's a, he's he's an owner um, of, a, of a, a he's a dentist and, you know, most dentists own their pra- practice or they bought into a, a dental practice that the guy's retiring. And they've kind of expanded and they're, they're doing a few other things um, over the last couple of months. He, there's been this situation that has come where he has been feeling like he's been being pushed out and he didn't know what to do. And it's been affecting himself. It's been affecting his family. It's been affecting just overall. Like when you're in a situation where you feel helpless, that's the, the, here's the problem is, is that we, as men don't like to ask for help. Absolutely. Because we think we can do this ourselves. Yep. Right. So he confided he, he. He had, he had a conversation with another friend of ours and it was, he didn't, every, not everything was told to me, but it was like, Hey, you should call Kyle. So I was thinking about him and I had this thought back again, just, yeah, you need to follow up on this. So I called him. He came over to my house. We started talking. Um, I have enough experience looking over um, operating agreements and from just to be able to truly understand him, Right. And so I said, just send me your operating agreement. Let me take a look at it. And I went through his operating agreement and, man, I just, I gave him like a three page summary of my thoughts on his operating agreement. And he was like, oh my gosh, I have options. Oh my gosh, I'm protected. Oh my gosh. This is, and his wife texted my wife and was like, this is the happiest that I've seen Kyle in over two months. He is, all the stress is gone. He has direction. He knows where things are going. So there's another situation where where being, where validation, not only validation came, but also direction came. Yeah. And that's what's the beauty about, about relying
2: others. on and others.
1: Adventures. And speaking
2: of validation and focus and direction, you guys did that for me when you embraced the formula.
0: Yeah. Well, and you also provided direction through the formula. Sure. Right. So let's jump in. What's the formula, Dave? Man, it was a good seg. That was a beautiful seg. So, yeah.
2: Well, so I got this from Drew Sanaki. He's in. He's an OG e-commerce. I mean, you guys, if if you're in e-commerce now, I mean, he kind of disappeared for a little while. So I thought it's kind of funny because I thought he was like my best kept secret. Like I knew about this guy, and nobody else really did. (laughs) And then, like, (laughs) but but anybody who's been around for a while, or at least at the the digital marketer. Cause he used to, he would present the uh, traffic conversion summit all the time. So anyways, I learned this from him. I think he borrowed it from Jay Abraham, something Jay Abraham said, which is there's three ways to grow a company. So you get more customers, you get them to buy more and you get them to buy more often. Um, it just so turns out that you can put that into a formula. That's not, I'm going to murder this word, but it's not a heuristic or a framework. It's truly a mathematical equation that when you pull these KPIs and multiply them together you actually get uh, you get an outcome or or a revenue number um and that's customer volume which is just your total number of customers first time and returning you've got AOV which is your average order value and yeah we can get into how valuable that metric is but for this scenario it's 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 valuable and then buyer frequency which is essentially a function of your total orders divided by your total customers. And you'll get, if you do that, you'll get a number like between 1.2 and two and a half, depending on your industry. You know, if you're, if we're going to focus on consumer health. So you're, you're, and if you're selling supplements, you're probably in that two, two and a half range. The thing I loved about it so much was, and the reason why it stuck with me is, is working in in a startup environment, you have a, and you're just trying to get momentum there are a lot of times you just want to do everything you think you need to do everything. And in some, some cases that's true. You need to do a lot of things simultaneously, but it needs to be mapped to some kind of focus or some kind of target that target that's actually going to grow your business. And I just found this is the best way. Like, so this formula, just to be clear, it's not a forecasting tool. It's not going to get you to profit. Um, If anything, the, the, the biggest thing that I loved about it is it's a simple way to to provide clarity of action. Yeah. And direction. And direction to the team. Right. Yeah.
0: So, Up and and down the chain of command. Up
2: and down the chain of command. So in a, you know, there are other formulas out there like Taylor Holiday of Common Thread Collective has one that kind of uh, subtracts uh, variable costs and gets you to a contribution margin number, which is really good for, for forecasting and profitable growth. I've seen other ones for different reasons, but I just, you know, for, for all of its simplicity, we scaled a business from five to 50 million on the back of this formula. Of course, a lot of other things happened, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was just a great way. Like we could, Ryan could, as the CEO, could give me a revenue number and then I could reverse engineer through buyer frequency, AOV and customer volume, the exact targets we would have to hit to get that revenue number. And then when I put that up on a board, my team would know the exact tactics they had to execute against to hit those targets. So we would just come together, throw the targets on the board, and then boom, everybody was off to the races. So it's really great for focus, but it's also really great for a high growth scenario where you need to be agile yeah. and move quickly.
0: Well, the, and auto, autonomous, right? Autonomy's yeah, kind of yeah. become a, a, a buzzword or a, a value for a lot of employees, right? Yeah. And if you want to create an autonomous team that feels like they're empowered to tactically do what they feel is best, this type of guidance and direction through the formula in a marketing scenario Allows them like, hey, here's the big target. You need to hit that. How you go about that is up to you. Yeah. Right. But if you don't want that, like if you want to be able to say, no, you need to send this many emails and it needs to be in this structure and in this fashion, then maybe that's not the best. Yep. You know? The thing I love about the formula and and I love just
1: calling it the formula. Cause like, uh, as soon as you're okay. like the formula, we all know exactly what's going on. Right. We all know exactly what Hot
0: baby formula. About. Yeah. <laughs> it,
1: and it, it drives down to the concept for me, it was logical. Right. So I, 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 my background is in computer programming. So I look at everything. The way I cook is a very logical, I, I create, I create procedures and, and, and algorithms and cooking to be able to say, oh, this is if I do this over and over and over, then that the outcomes are are there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I look at everything very uh logical from a computer programmer standpoint, even today. Um, and I haven't written code in a long time. Um, but the thing that I loved about the formula is it was so logical. It was, it was simple, straightforward, because and the challenge is, and and here's for for CEOs that are that are listening to this. Um, most CEOs that are operational CEOs don't understand marketing at all. They don't understand marketing. And so for them, marketing's a black hole for them. They don't even want to go talk to the marketing people because they're all like the creative ones. And I don't even know what they're saying or talking sure. about. Yeah. Right. Um, but it comes down to an idea where this formula created a, a, a strategic roadmap of clarity when it came to the marketing efforts of the team because you could come to me and and dude when was like when was the most predominant um time that we used the formula with an outcome you remember you know which one i'm talking i'm talking about like uh what was it black friday or like no oh. it was the end of the end of the year or i'm like yeah we're gonna do five million yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you're like looking at the beginning of the month and you're like, what? We're th- like, we're not even going to come close to $5 million. Yeah, we're going to hit $5 million. It's like, go do it. We're going to hit $5 million this month right now. Go do it. <laughs> yeah. You know? and
2: I remember the first time you said we were going to hit a million. I was like, no way. I yeah. did.
1: Yeah. You know, you're like, <laughs> we're not going to do that. But what did you do? You plug it into the formula. Yeah. Because here's the deal. You gave me the formula so I could be like this. Back. I could... You know, I could solve for why in the formula. I can be like, oh, here's what we need to do in order to hit it. Yeah. And we got it. And it's interesting because customer volume and these, these formula, the formula becomes levers. Yes. Right. And we talked about the levers of the formula all the time. Yep. The formula becomes levers. Yep. levers. If I want to increase revenue, I can pull one of these three formulas. If our average order volume is, is pretty solid, because once you get to a point in your company, unless you add more products or create specials or more op- like increase your value ladder you're not going to you're not going to really impact your average order volume unless you drop a sell or something that gets people to buy more right then yeah yeah you know what i mean absolutely buyer frequency kind of levels off um and and one way to affect buyer frequency is you do comeback campaigns mm-hmm. right you 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 retarget campaigns. You look at people that haven't purchased in 30, 60, 90 days, and you get them to come back to buy. So buyer frequency is one that's that's a pretty steady understanding, and you can create flows and structures to be able to manage that. But the one that has the most impact, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, is your customer volume because it's the fish in the sea. The, you, know, you could go out and find more people to sell to. And that's the one that, that's the biggest lever that you can pull, especially early on in the startup stage. And that's what we were doing over and over and over is we were, we were using the, the, the media strength of the company to keep people buying, to keep people buying, to, to, to keep their average order volume at a steady level. But it was the constant churn of new customers, new customers into the ecosystem. I remember, go
0: ahead. No, why, why I fell in with the formula. Fell in love with the formula was um, <clears throat> to me. Not only is it a great tool for leading a marketing team and providing clarity and direction, but it's a simplified um, tool to also look at the most cri- like critical and important functions of a business. So at the time that you introduced it to me, you know, I had come out of a season where I had studied Alex Sharfin's Billionaire Code, and he talks about five, you know core functions of a business that happen across basically a a customer's you know sales cycle or sales journey i had just finished learning about joey coleman's eight phases of a customer you know journey and realized like people call them all sorts of different things they make it they make them eight phases they make them five steps they make them whatever they want but it all comes down to these three which is the formula acquisition conversion and retention Mm -hmm. you can blow that out into eight you can summarize it back down into three, but it's all the same. You need to get more people to buy, get them to buy more and get them buy more often.
2: When I, and, and the, the simplicity of it is, is in there, there's value in how straightforward it is. I think, yeah. you know, like I, I remember um, some of my team struggled after we left, they, some of my team struggled to find um, uh, jobs at first because, retention became a really kind of like a big buzzword in e uh i came from a world where it was called life cycle yeah like you would you would sort of build a model for the customer's life cycle and then you would focus on getting them to make purchases through that life cycle so like buyer frequency instead of focusing on retention if you get, if you drive more purchases, you're retaining the customer and LTV is going up. So instead of focusing on LTV or focusing on retention, if you just focus on how can we get these people to buy again? And by the way, that also includes great customer experience, education, yeah. it all falls under buyer frequency, right? Um, but, you know, it was funny about, it was interesting about what you're saying about customer uh, volume, Ryan, is that's the way I view it is that's like the most important one. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until I read Byron Sharp's how brands grow. And I, I literally, it was like, I got to the end of the book and I went, that's it. <laughs> really? Because all, because really all it comes down to is market share, yeah, market share and new customers. And by the way, the new customer, new customer acquisition never stops. The moment no. you stop it, the moment yeah. you start to slip, yep. it's literally a Taylor Holiday calls it the shrinking sponge. But um, AOV and buyer frequency are the small hinges that swing huge doors. But like it takes a larger lift of new customers to impact revenue. It takes a very small lift in AOV and an even smaller lift in yeah. buyer frequency to freaking go nuts. Yeah. So just think about that. I mean, like you, a buyer frequency increase of even like 0. 0.25 can result in, you know, hundreds of thousands of, if not a you know, a few million dollars, depending on how much volume you're doing.
1: Well, and and we saw that every time we launched a new product that fit in the protocol that was like, and and every time we talked about the importance of this pro this product and how it played with the other products, RAOV increased. Right. So it was and and those were simple ways to be able to be like, this is what you need mm-hmm. not only do you need the ones you're still taking but you need to add this one to it as well and this is why and here's the benefit and it's it's that's where your um, AOV and your biofrequency come into play with the link with the knowledge and training and that customer experience that you're providing yeah because it's not you you can't I don't think and correct I mean correct me if I'm wrong call me stupid again but, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that you can just market your way into AOV and biofrequency. No. I think, I think you have to experience your way into that. Oh, that's interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. You have to build the experience for the customer that will increase those two levers. And like you said, the impact of those small movements
2: have huge outcomes. Yeah. I would say that's definitely the more sustainable way you can engineer it by like, for example, if you If you look at uh, like customer cohorts and you notice that customer A has a higher AOV um, or or even a higher LTV if they buy product uh, like this one product first or even a bundle first. Or, for example, um, this was very counterintuitive for me. We had a pretty significant uh, AOV and LTV off of a, like just a free trial product, you know, just pay shipping. Now we got a lot of volume, but the people who stuck really stuck. Like they, they had a higher, um, buyer frequency and LTV than, than folks that just came in and paid full price but if you think
1: about it the reason why is because we got them into the system yeah and we got them into the ecosystem of that experience yeah and they started having an experience that was beneficial to yeah, them for sure and they started learning and and growing and become part of that i i, I think it's that experience the last two in that quarter are more experience driven than market driven marketing driven yeah like your your acquisition no matter what you call it um Whether it's how brands grow or red, red ocean, blue ocean, or whatever it is, it's finding those customers, building market share and, and it's, it's acquisition and it's acquisition and keeping them acquisition and keeping them. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that really speaks to, you know, one of the reasons I joined the company when I did is uh, freaking AOV was like almost 200 (laughs) on the direct consumer side. And it's not because you guys were running. Uh, like direct response, you know, offers and big bundles. Like it was just straight up education and experience and community in a great category. Yeah.
1: yeah, And that's, yeah. And that, I, I I believe that's really critical to understanding your, the activities of the company can be broken down into the formula so easily. And, and like you said, from a tactical standpoint, letting the team know, here's what we're going to do. You can, you can justify the tactical as- aspects of marketing, um, both direct and indirect. We will call like the education and in indirect marketing. Yeah, right. Or
0: you can even tie more, right? Like you can tie operations and support mm-hmm. and stuff because that's all part of frequency. That's all part of retention. Right. You're talking about the experience. Like it fits in that. And the that's what I mean. You can you, can, you yeah. can explode that out into so many functions, but it just starts and sub- so. Simple like that's that. why I, I told
2: Braden still. Um, you're, so Braden was our, our, one of our. Producers on the podcast and he's Ryan's son. He was our head of customer support at Microbe. He'll tell me all the time. He'll he never he'll, he never forgot when I told him that customer service at Microbe was a cheat code because I saw it as like buyer frequency heaven. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but like for for you non marketers out there uh, or just operators, one of the questions I get all the time when I would show this to my team, there's some of my team was more kind of in the in the media content side. They would say, okay, well we see these targets. Um, now what, uh, what, what do you mean? Like if, if we have to increase customer volume by 30%, what do we do? Um, my but, team joked that they were going to create a drinking game out of that. Um, every time I said the formula, cause I said it so much,
1: <laughs> but it unifies it, it. Not only that, but it unifies effort. Right. And that's the thing that, that the challenge in building a team in, in, in rapid growth is the ability to bring people together under a unified banner yes and please can we pull that as a pull
2: quote because honestly that's what i was trying that's what i loved about it so much yeah it was the simplicity but the un the way you can unify a team around a singular like not i mean i know it's multiple metrics but like one of the ultimate unlocks in 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 growth is identifying a singular metric that everybody can get their head around and i don't think revenue is necessarily the way to do it like one of the ways we did it company wide was lives touched yeah, yeah. Right. Like everybody can get around yeah. that. Yeah. And the marketing team, everybody could get around this formula.
1: Um. So yeah. I, but not only great. the marketing team, the executive team. That's true. Right. It it's a banner that everybody can get behind, and that banner creates unity, and that unity is what establishes culture. And as you're growing in a rapidly um in 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 a company that's just skyrocketing, and you hire a hundred people in a single year. Yeah. You have to have unity wrapped around something and 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 hopefully you have multiple things that they can come together on like you were talking about lives touch the our, our our owner influencers behind jay and todd um everything that we talked about but that formula was a banner because they knew that every time your team knew and i knew and others knew that every time the marketing team was coming together you were going to outline the formula And you were going to talk about it and tactics and everything. So people knew already what the meeting was going to be about before it even started. Yeah. And it creates unity around a central banner. Yeah. And it's an easy one to do guys. If you're out there trying to figure out, and I love this. If you're out there trying to figure out, how do I bring my team together? How do I, how do I help bring the, the collaboration between social and creative and content and communications and everything? implement something like the formula and it's an easy one to do on our side because it does it 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 targets a revenue structure but not everybody wants to be like not everybody wants to focus on the the revenue they want to focus on their lever that they're pulling and then they can see how they interact with the with the rest of the group yeah yeah
2: so so i you know i i, I guess to wrap it up like we'll we'll put some resources in the show notes there are even some sub metrics of those levers that you will focus on to impact those metrics so you've got like your overarching formula and then you've got what i call kpis that drive the lever and then you've got tactics that you impact against that you executing as the kpis so for example customer volume within customer volume you've got returning buyers and first-time buyers to really drive up customer volume you're focusing on returning buyers we're not forgetting about i'm, I'm sorry first-time buyers we're not forgetting about returning but first-time buyers is what really impacts that and under aov how do you impact AOV? You look at the mode, you look at the most frequently occurring order value and surprise, surprise, it's probably going to be about half of what your AOV is. Hmm. Um, and then buyer frequency, you're just looking at orders. So, and returning customers.
1: So those are just some, some ways to think about it. Yeah. And also reach out. I mean, if this is something you want to go deeper with on us, um, reach out to us and let us know. I We'd love to, we'd love to get on a call. We'd love to jump on a zoom. We'd love to send you anything that you want because i think that this this formula and understanding the concept behind this formula can be impactful to any company anywhere at any time whether you're brick and mortar where you're e-com whatever you are um it has impact so if if you want more information don't hesitate to reach out we'd love to help